systems initiated. You're listening to the Empire Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Conversations, sponsored by Boys Town. Boys Town has been saving children and healing families for over 100 years. Also sponsored by Lane Frost Brand, made for the champion in you. Yoda, Jabba, Baby Ewoks, Sai Snooties, Admiral Akbar, Riyiz, and Nine Numb all have one thing in common with this week's guest. Now, he is the Picasso of puppeteers who has not only contributed to the Star Wars franchise, but to the world of Jim Henson's Muppets, to name but a few of the characters in movies and television that he has given his voice and life. He's got one of the most interesting jobs on the planet and in outer space. My guest this week is the extraordinary puppeteer, voiceover actor, animator, Mike Quinn. You know what time it is. It's time to keep it real with Real Conversations. Mike Quinn, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jacob. My goodness me, I'd, I'd hire me after that introduction. Good heavens. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're quite welcome. You have created magical characters who have entertained, well, me, Kids, adults wow. around the world, it's an honor to have you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Jacob. I really appreciate it. And it's an honor to be uh, on your, your wonderful show. You've got a wonderful uh, podcast uh, here. So thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Now, you reminded me recently in when I was reaching out to you, and you saw me perform at, at Super Soap Weekend, I think. You were must have been at Disney That's- World. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. I mean, um, basically, uh, you know, I, I used to do the Star Wars weekends. I used to do at that sort of time. I think I'd done three of them all together. Um, and then um, I was actually on on a, a honeymoon with my then wife and she was a big fan of uh, all my children. So, of course, that was that was her honeymoon surprise. Uh, she didn't know where we were going. And I used my contacts from um, Star Wars weekends to kind of get us behind some doors and things like that. So, so we sort of have, yeah, I saw you, you uh, perform there. Um, we have that in common. Uh, I assume you did the, I'm trying to remember now, you did the probably the motorcade, uh, the, the, you know, and then and then the going to the Hollywood hideaway and have some food yes. and do press things and all that stuff. It's wonderful though, isn't it? What a, what a, I miss those. Oh, I miss those too. They were so much fun and they treated you like rock stars. You had, you know, yeah. back access, like you were saying, you got in front of lines. If you wanted to go on a ride that you just couldn't get on. <laughs> yeah. That was probably That's one right. of You get your own VIP host, don't you? To take you anywhere in, in any of the parks. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's just, it's so, it's such, such a gift. Yeah. They were literally gophers. You could just go, Hey, I need this. <laughs> so it was wonderful though. It was, it was very cool. So we have that in common at least. Well, that's cool. That's what I wanted to find out. Now you're a puppeteer. Well, not even just a, you're a Muppeteer. How did you first yeah. meet the genius Jim Henson and begin your career with the Muppets. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure that out now. Um, it's it's so weird. How can I? I mean, basically, uh, Muppet Show um, kind of hit big in the UK a little bit sooner than the US. So 1976 was the first series. And it just like swept the country. It was like the first big merchandise sort of thing ever in the UK, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I did puppets as a kid, and I was actually into, before Muppet Show came along, I was into uh, Disney and cartoons and drawing and animation, and probably had Muppets not happened, I might have gone down that path a little more. Uh, so, 
So yeah, um, uh, Muppet Show Cat happened. I was how old would I be? I would be twelve, I think. Um, so it was a good age to get obsessed about something actually relatively healthy, if you can call Muppets. <laughs> uh, you know, not maybe not sane, but certainly, uh, you know, it was a good thing to obsess about at that age. And I was like, okay, how? Because we didn't have as much Muppet things in the UK as you had had already at that time in the states. So, so it's like, how are these things built? How are they? How are they worked? Um, what's going on here? And there were like one or two little photographs in some local magazines that sort of showed how they were doing things. And I was just like, I have to, I have to figure this out. I have to, I have to try and make some puppets and work this out. So I'd buy materials with my pocket money, uh, fabrics and foam and and fleece, and try to work out how to build these things. And I'd practice in front of a mirror, sort of getting um, copying the, the techniques, learning learning the technique of puppetry. Uh, we didn't have video monitors and cameras. Back then, of course, you know, we're talking uh, 76, 77. So uh, I just had a mirror and I sort of got my basic stuff through there. But now at that time, I thought, okay, Muppet Show, you know, it's an American show. It's made in the States. Uh, I'll never, ever get there. Um, But at least I can sort of, you know, copy what they're doing and find my own way into, into the puppet world when I leave school. Then I find out Muppet Show is made 30 minutes away from where I live. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is really weird. Um, I mean, w- how does that even happen? You know, I think we have a little bit of um, Jim Henson magic going on here. There's some great universe thing happening uh, that, I, you know, we can't always explain. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Well, actually, how old was I? I was about 13 or 14, I think. 14, probably. And they had the, um, the royal world premiere of the Muppet movie in London at uh, Leicester Square. Right. And um, uh, so I saw a thing in a paper where you could phone up to get uh, tickets uh, for the premiere. So with my pocket money, I, I, I you actually had to phone up Lou Grade's office. He was the, you know, the, the impresario that basically, you know, brought Muppets to the UK and got all this stuff happening and made all these films and TV shows. So I called his office, bought two tickets with my pocket money, one for my, my mother and one for myself. And uh, had to quickly get a tux together and and walk the red carpets uh, for the Muppet movie. So that was sort of uh, one of my early sort of encounters with with Muppets. There was an, uh, actually one time before then where they were appearing at at a local radio station, uh, London London Radio uh, uh, lunchtime show, and I intercepted the main Muppeteers at, uh, at the reception and got them to sign a, a, a picture for me. <laughs> So, so I kept sort of, this is all part of the obsession. This is a six degrees of separation. <clears throat> Absolutely. Like, let me try it from all different ways. So, and then, then after that, this is where the weird, really weird thing happened. My dad had, uh, had got a job uh, working for a company in London that supplied different companies with uh, entertainment for their um, clubs, uh, you know, the evening, like Friday, Saturday clubs and things. And so he got to know an accountant who was working at the TV studio ATV in, in Boreham Wood, Elstree, where Muppet Show was being made. So guess what? I got to go and visit on, on a, a guest star day, which was always a Wednesday. Um, so I would be 15. And yes, I was, I think, yeah, I was still 15. Um, and the guest star was Linda Carter. And uh, I'd made a Muppet picture of a Muppet t-shirt and all the, the guys were making a fuss over me. They called me down onto the floor and they were like asking me about it. Linda Carter apparently said something to me. And of course I was like, so zoned in on Muppet things and just my mind was exploding. <laughs> I totally didn't even hear her and totally blew her off, which was a terrible thing. Sorry, Linda. 
But um, <laughs> so so <clears throat> that was my in. And then um, because it was uh, getting toward the end of the initial school um, time uh, for, for for your sort of uh, uh, senior sort of years and stuff at that point, you, the schools would allow you to have like uh, career days and things like that. So I would use that time um, about every other Wednesday on a guest star day. I would um, uh, bribe the accountant with uh, chocolates and cigarettes. I was 15, remember, <laughs> you know, so, so that I could get into the studio and he would let me sit up in the little seated area and, and watch them shoot. Uh, so they got to know me. Oh. And uh, I, I would bring puppets in uh, that I'd made and um, take them down to the Muppet Workshop, which was right adjacent to this, this, the shooting stage. And um, Jim Henson would put them on and some of the other puppeteers and do voices with my puppets. And, and they got to know me. <clears throat> so uh, then uh, suddenly I left school. Suddenly Muppet Show finished. This was 1980. Um, the, uh, I knew what I was going to do. The school said, you're on your own. We can't help you. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the legal age of leaving school in the UK is 16, not 18. Wow. Yeah. Um, so which is crazy. Um, and uh, I was sort of in this. Well, if you knew what you were going to do, right? Well, it's it's like school, it's like kids these days that want to get you know they, yeah. they they go. I'm not going to go to college. I want to go to a vocational school and learn a trade of some sort. Yeah. So I mean, I, well, I think it makes of, sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, college wasn't an option anyway. You know, it's like either either you're going to continue schooling or preferably you're going to go out and get a job and pay your way. You know, so that was you know, that was how just the reality of my. Uh, situation that's not unusual for a lot of people in the UK. So, so it's like okay, I'm going to do a puppet show of some sort, and I knew that all the Muppet performers were like six foot two, six three, or whatever. And I thought, well, okay, I'm too. Sh- I'm not was I five six, five seven, something like that. I'm too short to be a, a, a puppeteer, a Muppet performer, but maybe I can build for them and things like that. <clears throat> so, so anyway, they finished. I finished school the same time as Muppet Show finished, uh, which was uh, in June of 1980. And uh, I watched the very last episode being taped, which was uh, Gene Kelly. So oh. I got to watch him do his stuff. Which I mean, that's all these amazing guest stars, Diana Ross, and it was just amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, being around that stuff and watching how they actually make make a TV show, I had no clue. I had no idea, um, let alone films. So anyway, they they took a break and they went across the, the street to uh, the film studio to do the Great Muppet Caper. Um, so I sort of turned up. Uh, not quite knowing what to do this time, but uh, the guy at the security gate uh, said, "Oh, they're oh they're on location, Governor. They're out in, the, in this village shooting on location. This is yeah, sorry." So, so I figured out where that that uh, it was a little village in Hertfordshire, and I had to go all the way into London to get a get a coach and a series of buses to go all the way back out to Hertfordshire again, to, which dropped me off at this location. And they were filming. Uh, it was like I got there the last hour or two of the day. And it was the scene where the Muppets land in the duck pond and there's, they're sort of thrown out of the airplane and stuff. Right. So, um, so I found them and they were like, Oh, here's Mike again. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> uh, however, this time I actually brought uh, a letter to give to Jim Hansen um, asking for a job. Basically. Uh, there was uh, some pieces of paper of uh, a puppets I'd, I'd made a, a little uh, newspaper article that I had. So, so I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him for a job. And um, it was actually Jim Henson's 44th birthday that day. And at the end of the shoot, people were giving him, like, birthday cards. <clears throat> so, of course, I, you know, get in behind everyone. Here you go, Jim, this is for you. And, oh, oh thank you very much, because he thought it was a birthday card. 
And so, you know, they, off they went. He didn't open it there and then. I, I went back to the bus stop to wait an hour for my coach to take me back. I got home about 10.30 at night that night, I remember. Otherwise, I watched all the limos drive past, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, about two weeks later, I got a call from uh, Dave Laser, the exec producer, um, saying, uh, would you like to come and do some some Muppet work for, for a week with us, some sort of background stuff, basically. Um, and I, I, I remember thinking, hmm, no, I don't think that's for me. Thank you. I, I can't can't accept it. No, no, I'm kidding. Because I, I was over the moon. And before I knew it, I was I was doing these crowd scenes. It was location work first. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we were doing all this crazy stuff. And, and uh, I never auditioned or anything. That's the thing. I think. They started me out for a week, and then they kept bringing me back for other other scenes. And it was about halfway through the movie. I sat in a chair offset, and Frank Oz uh, so came by and said, "Here, put this put this puppet on." And he just wanted to <laughs> see for himself what I could actually do. So, and it was Scooter the Gopher. Uh, so I put that on, and he sort of said, "You know, follow, follow my finger." So he wanted to see how my eye focus was and have me talk and stuff like that. And he's like, "Okay, fine." And that was the end of it. That was almost an audition, but yeah, that's. You know, that was it. That's so, fascinating. Um, so that's the kind of long-winded version of how the magic happened. Well, you know, it, you can't rush a, a story. It's from it's from childhood. <laughs> it started from your very early childhood. Yeah. And that's so, it's so great when you really can live and breathe and know what you want to do the rest of your life at that, at that young yeah. of an age. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Mike has been involved in The Great Muppet Caper, The Dark Crystal, Fraggle Rock, Labyrinth, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, The Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted. And of course, he's uh, got <laughs> The Muppets. He's uh, part of The Muppets now on Disney+. Plus. It's I mean, I love The Muppets. <laughs> and of course, this stays on my desk, which. Uh, dance, Ooh, magic nice dance. Jareth. <laughs> uh, David I, Bowie Jareth. I'm I impressed. I have a friend who's in the toy business, so he just he gives me things all the time. The things that I remind me of my childhood. Um yeah, the important stuff, right? Yeah, it is important. <laughs> it is important to me. It is. I love it. How does creating characters who live in worlds that our imaginations can escape to maybe benefit our mental health or our outlook on reality? Oh, that is such a good question. Uh, I have a lot of answers to that. I mean, initially for me, um, I was very shy as a kid. Uh, when I was a, a child, I, I had a little glove puppet show. Um, but I, I also had a magic act um, and I was kind of too shy to do all the, the patter that went with it, all the banter and stuff. So when I first started uh, doing puppetry, um, it was kind of a safe way for me to have a voice because it sort of wasn't me necessarily speaking. I could speak through these characters and they could say things in a more confident way that I couldn't. I was really quite shy. Mm. Um, so so, so in in one way, Puppetry, even now, I think, even for us uh, guys that have been doing this 40, 50, 60 years even, uh, just about, <clears throat> some of the original guys, um, I think it's still therapy for us, actually, because we get to be who any, we get to be monsters and we get to, you know, be male, female, old, young, uh, animal, uh, human, alien. And, and I think we get to, to try things out in a safe way that otherwise... Once you become an adult, you stop playing. I actually had a couple puppets and I, oh. and my, my parents, they got me, I, I forget the the famous classic puppet that everybody would buy. It was the toy that everybody had. If you were going to have a puppet and I was quite good at it. 
I was, I really enjoyed doing it and it was, it was so much fun. Um, but I also wow. found not only that with like puppet, but I also found it as course being able to play other characters. Um, a lot like you, I was a shy child and it took a lot for me to overcome anxiety and I still get anxiety to this very day. But when I'm playing a character, it all settles down a little bit. And the other thing I've noticed, and it might be truer, uh, even more so for an actor, where it is actually your face, you know, that's seen. I've done like a few little bits here and there and a tiny bit of stage work. But it was fascinating for me to, 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 to play something that was a little bit more realistic, um, but where you have to find those places within you that, that you, you think, that's not, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not, I don't do these things. But some, you know, you are about this. You, you think, oh, my goodness. I, I, if I can make it real to myself, if I can believe that I'm actually capable of these things, then it's going to be real to the people uh, watching. And that's that's acting, really, isn't it? I mean, you've yeah. played all kinds of. I mean, you're, you know, you're one of the nicest guys on the planet, but you've played some uh, some interesting, uh, uh, darker characters <laughs> or, or characters that don't always have a handle on their on their uh, their, their moods, right? I mean, uh-huh. but you have to find that within yourself, and it's like. Who is this person? It's it's amazing, really, to, because I think we just learn more about ourselves too when we go through that process. Absolutely. What do you think makes the characters like the Muppets and Star Wars creations so beloved around the world? Oh well, for one thing, they they're just mirrors of our own personalities. It doesn't matter if they're a frog or a pig or a weird creature or an alien. You know, it, they're just. It's, they're just real, they're real characters. They're us, they're us, they're our friends, they're our families, they're our neighbors, um, you know, uh, our children, uh, just in an abstract form. And because they're in more of an abstract form, I think you have more license to do uh, crazier things, more abstract things, uh, which I love, you know, which is what animation can do as well, good animation. You know, you go back to the old Tex Avery cartoons, Warner Brothers cartoons, and, you know, they're doing all this crazy stuff, defying gravity and, and all that kind of thing. And that's the stuff that I love the most. And puppets uh, allow you to do that in creatures. And to a, to a certain extent, uh, you know, the, the Star Wars stuff too. I mean, you know, I get to fly X-Wings and, and, and go into hyperspace and stuff and, and uh, you know, enjoy playing that. Uh, but in real life, I have, I have no interest in going into space whatsoever. It terrifies <laughs> me. It's like, no, I'll just pretend thank you. And I'm happy with that. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, it, these crazy people strapping themselves to rockets now. It's like everybody goes for a ride now. It's the bus, the bus to space. Exactly. <laughs> just just go to just go to Disney and ride the rides. That's fine by me. I can do that. That's about my limit. <laughs> You're probably most famous for your role as Nine Nub None Nub. Yeah, Lando's yeah, co-pilot, yeah, like number nine. Yeah. Lando's co-pilot yeah. on the Millennium Falcon and Return of the Jedi and, of course, the final Star Wars trilogy. What's some of the things that we might not know about Nine? Gosh, what, what are, um, let's see. He's uh, I think he has a, a little uh, tiki bar somewhere, um, some little cantina now. I think he's <laughs> retired uh, serving rum cocktails and things like that. Uh, I think I think he lives to be about 300 years old. Um <laughs> I say that so that he can appear in lots of other uh, shows and, and movies, of course. Sure. It was longer. So if I put that out there, everyone will think it's, it's canon and that it's real. <laughs> of <laughs> but, course. Uh, he, he, he was, I mean, it, it, real, real quick, I mean, he was originally a background alien when we started filming, and uh, he was worn by, by a background performer. 
Uh, he didn't have any articulation in his face. He was just a pull-on mask, and that was it. Um, and he was literally um, on the creature list. He was number nine. He didn't even have a name. So about halfway through the film, when George pulled him out to be, he said, I need someone to be Lando's co-pilot. I like the look of this guy. Can we use him? So that's when they changed him from number nine to nine numb. <laughs> We've <laughs> so got to give him a last name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, basically. He named himself in a way. Uh, and I was just hanging around Bill Tippett's workshop, as as one does, because that's what I, you know, I thought. Who goes home when you've got creatures to play with and stuff? So, so I was looking at, at this mask, and Phil said, yeah, George has pulled this out to be uh, Lando's co-pilot. We're shooting it in so many weeks' time, and he doesn't have any articulation in his face, but he has dialogue. I don't know what we're going to do. And he was suggesting putting a, a, a like a, an oxygen mask over his um, bag, over his mouth because his mouth doesn't move and putting maybe bladders in his cheeks to make it look like he's talking. And I, that's actually a bit, you know, that's not so great. And I put my hand inside the mask and said, look, I can actually make this talk. Why don't we turn it into a hand puppet? And he thought, that's a great idea. <laughs> so he, he gave me about a week to play with it and fit it out and glue things inside and stuff. And then we did a film test um, uh, for George. He, uh, there were two masks. So there was my puppetized version. And then there was the, the background uh, performer in, in the other mask. And we stood side by side and George took us through the uh, uh, looks and paces and, and and uh, acting and speech and things like that. And George was like, yeah, great, that's great. And I said, maybe we can put a cable eye blinks, cable control eye blinks on him and wiggle his ears. Uh, and I said, great, let's do it. <laughs> so he got shipped back to California. And about, I want to say about two weeks later, he came back uh, all, all ready to shoot. And somehow, again, without auditioning, I got myself the job of uh, performing Nine Numb in the cockpit. Uh, no rehearsal, uh, no read-through. And the di- the dialogue even in the script wasn't even written because it was just an alien. He said, Nine Numb uh, chatters a liquid alien language. And then Lando had his responses. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how am I going to, how the hell am I going to do this? This was <laughs> the morning of the shoot. And they were running a bit behind. George Lucas was uh, directing the first cockpit scenes because um, they were having to do double duty. Richard Marquand was on another stage doing the Rancor pit scenes. So, um, so I, I wrote down in in, uh, in English what I thought. So, you know, we, we knew these characters were all going to be dubbed and replaced with whatever later. So, just like with Jabba and everything, you know, we all speak with our, um, you know, with our own English language, so that everyone knows what we're saying. Right. So, so I wrote down what I thought he would say in in pencil, so I could rub it out if if need be, and uh, and showed it to George. Can I say these things? And he looked it over and just looked up and said, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> And that was it. So I got to write my own dialogue, and uh, we had a great time in that in that cockpit. With uh, Billy D has always been so wonderful. Oh yeah, you know we're still good friends to this day. He's he's a lovely guy. He's amazing. He's always been so sweet, and it's so nice to see him. Yeah, I saw him. Re- I saw him recently in Los Angeles. I was I was uh, over yeah. at a restaurant, and uh, he was there, and we yeah. we chatted it up. I always chatted it up. He was oh. he's with the this uh this guy that owns a restaurant he's always with him i he used to own this this fabulous restaurant in, on beverly but anyway that's oh, here or there but nice. uh, yeah it's always fun though <laughs> always fun to catch up with him exactly exactly so yeah so um and that was my third movie uh so so uh, let's see 80 was muppet caper 81 was um dark crystal and 82 uh was uh when we shot um uh return of the jedi so in fact uh, this week now is the 40th anniversary of when we began shooting the studio uh, stuff for Return of the Jedi. So, wow. so this week would have been uh, Tim Rose and I were rehearsing 
uh, Admiral Akbar and Slice Noodles. And then I think the following week, we, we then filmed on Jabba's Palace. That was our first creature shoot for the, like, the second week of, of, of uh, January. So this is, our, our, this is my, my 40th anniversary right well, now. Happy 40th crazy. anniversary. Thank you. Madness. <laughs> and it is. It's crazy. It's crazy how time flies. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So I know there's things that you're working on because you're such a busy guy. Is there anything you can tell us about something that you're currently working on or got in the happening in the future? Well, let's see. I'm still uh, uh, working on um, developing my uh, puppetry Academy, which is uh, uh, online for it's something that I wish that I'd had when I was starting out and didn't exist. But it's all stuff that that um, was handed down from Jim Hansen and Frank Oz through either being on set and, and absorbing what they do or, or workshops that they gave during times like Dark Crystal and things like that. Um, I make I make puppets as well uh, for myself and for other people. Um, I, I'm developing uh, lots of show ideas. I have I have this whole string of different concepts and ideas that, that go from something really simple with one puppet, you know, sort of YouTube kind of stuff. That I can, I know I can do immediately, and doesn't cost anything. Right up to, to to series ideas, right up to feature film ideas. So now, of course, that stuff is is the hardest thing of all to do, um, and will take the longest. But I figure, well, you know, why not? Um, sort of just sort of work my way up to that stuff. <laughs> uh, but but there's still, you know, that sort of has to happen in between uh, shooting. Of course, there's still, you know, occasional Lucasfilm things and and uh, Muppet. Uh, projects as well so uh yeah those have to take priority of course uh the the performing because that's my first love and that's how i'm hardwired and i you know i'm teaching myself music production as well yeah i really enjoy that uh i know you do a lot of music of course uh that's part of who you are isn't it you know you're like me you you know it's sort of a jack of all trades and that's sort of what happens in this industry isn't it i think so i i think i think um it's just smart, um, but but yeah. Well, on the my very first job, the the guy that was standing in for um, Frank Oz for Miss Piggy and Posse Bear, he was also a C three PO standing as well. But he he said to me right at the beginning, you know, always have always have more than one string to your bow. Always do more than one thing because he knew I made puppets and things as well. And it's so true. And since then, I've 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 done I've directed uh, TV shows, uh, produced of course, and I know you you know you're you're producing as well. Uh, writing and and but it, why not you know they're all they all it, one informs the other anyway they're all part of, of the same thing in a way to me it's all creating you're you're still baking some sort of a cake with all these ingredients they're just different kinds of cakes aren't they yeah certainly now secrets secrets of puppetry your online academy yeah. i think that's really fascinating now where can people find out about it how can if they have a desire I mean, can all age ranges uh, yeah, pretty purchase. well actually. Yeah, because it starts out from there are some some young young people in there too, and a, a few. Uh, um, there's actually a couple of Muppet guys in there too that, that were supporting me, and in fact, even uh, Jack Jack Black's wife is a puppeteer as well. She's done some Muppet stuff. She's in the Academy too. Wow. But you, you, they can find it at uh, academy.secretsofpuppetry.com. And uh, I have I have three versions, but I, I I recommend people start with the the, the bronze lowest version because that does take you from from day one, like how to stand and what's happening with your body and your arms. And just, just is this technique from day one and people can take their time with it and, and go back and forth. And, and it's like right now I still have lifetime membership for everybody. So 
um, or they can find me on the social medias and ask me questions about it too. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's something that that I wanted to put out there to to help everybody really uh, uh, and give them what I didn't have. Uh, and right now, especially with not being able to, I mean, there's nothing better than a live workshop, obviously. And there are there are a lot of people that do that. I've done that in the past, and I have Muppet performer friends that that uh, once a year do that kind of thing as well, sort of an intense week long course live, but. But and that's great. Obviously, you still do that. But uh, this is something that that I think uh, people can do from their homes uh, in the safety of their well, the safety uh, and from they could be in Timbuktu or Antarctica. You know what I mean? You know now because yeah. of and it, some of them are in fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is wonderful though it really is, and it's very gratifying. Uh, in fact, so well, that's fantastic. Um, how many pup have you given voice to some puppets over the years? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, some of my own characters in the UK um, and some Henson things. Uh, gosh, yeah, all kinds. Um, <laughs> actually, dozens, certainly dozens for sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they tend to be, as Frank Oz would always say, it's better to, to think of them as being character based rather than, you know, two characters rather than voices. But of course, you know, you can't help but. Uh, but, uh, you know, find some real fun, fun voices that you just love and can't let go of. Uh, so, yeah, I've done, done a lot uh, yeah. over the years. I think my very first Muppet voice was was Mayor Bunny part for the for the uh, the tale of the bunny picnic, which was like mid 80s or something. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure you can vividly remember the first time you probably ever did, did your first speaking parts on TV. Right. I mean, oh, yes. I bet you can go right to that time. Oh, uh, yeah. You, but, but here's the thing. Right. Were you, what was the greatest emotion to you? Was it, was it the fear of, oh, good heavens, this is it. Everything's, everyone's looking at me right now. I have to do this. Or, or did the excitement and thrill and, and adrenaline sort of take over to, to get you to where you needed to be? I think it was somewhere in between. I'm about to crap my pants. <laughs> Excellent. In a healthy kind of way, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like 17 or something. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was 17 years old. I had all the eyes looking at me. I was in front of three camera operators, two boom operators, entire production crew grips and everybody Mm -hmm. like wait, can't wait for their five minute break. And they were ready to go home already. It's and it's nine o'clock in the morning. So you could see that people have this anticipation for you to do everything perfectly right, especially in the daytime world. Um, yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's at the, at the beginning and you have to hit, you, you probably even, I mean, I, I guess I would assume a lot of the time you'd block stuff through and, and you might even take what first rehearsals. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, try and hit it as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah. We, that's kind of how it was. Um, sometimes we would, we would rehearse three of them and then we just go straight to mm-hmm. tape on all three and try to push oh. it to, as one scene. And that's, that's probably 20 pages. Some of those, uh, See, that's the thing you've, you've, you've probably done more in TV hours uh, you know, in one year than I've done in my entire career. That's, which is crazy. And you know what? Tell me to try to remember a storyline. I can't, you know, it's been so much material over the years that I, I think I have onset dementia already from it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's for the brain, you know, it has to file stuff away and everything, but um, I'm sure you, you probably got asked a lot as I do, you know, do I ever get the characters mixed up and stuff? You know, and forget who you are, which I uh, definitely not for me, you know, because you, you just get into that headspace, don't you? At the time yeah. I mean, that moment. there are some people who live and breathe their character because that's just who they are. Like they haven't stepped outside yeah, what the, the writer has. Um, 
And, you know, yes, there's the situations may be different than what their real life situations would be, but vocal tone style, it's really just them being so. So you do see a lot of that. Um, But I love getting lost in a character. I I like finding Mm -hmm. something that's different from me or something I've been waiting for me to come out. Real challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you need to. uh uh, do a little puppetry as well um, <laughs> and uh, hang out with the Muppets a bit. You know, uh, actually, it reminded me when you said you had puppets uh, uh, as a kid. Um, Richard E. Grant, you know, the, the actor? Yes. Um, the British guy. He, he uh, when he was a kid, he actually had uh, puppets. Uh, he started out as a puppeteer and would put it on puppet shows for his uh, neighborhood friends and charge them money to come and see his shows. <laughs> Uh, so that's how he actually became an actor. Uh, wow. Here. So, no, so I'd, I'd, do it in reverse. I'd actually become a Muppet guy. I'd love to sit in <laughs> on one of the classes at some point. Brilliant. Absolutely. It's great fun, you know, and that's, that's the thing. You, you have to feel you're in a safe space to, to make mistakes, right. And to learn and to not be judged. Otherwise you just, you're just going to kind of uh, hide away and, and close up basically. So it, it always needs to be fun. I think, you know, puppets are fun. So why not enjoy the process and 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 be silly and and be allowed to make mistakes because that's how you grow, isn't it? You have to you have to, to fall down so you can learn. Oh, this is what I do that makes me fall, so I'll do this instead. So you know you, you actually have to make mistakes or you will not grow or learn. Right. And every one of those mistakes, I my heart skips a beat when I'm in the middle of walking down a street or in a conversation, and suddenly that flash of that mistake from twenty years ago goes through my mind. And then that's when the anxiety kicks in. But I have, right. I have recognized that, you know, that you do, you really do have to make those mistakes to get better. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, give yourself permission and, um, you know, not care about what other people think. That's part of the problem. Uh, just like, not give a damn. It's like, okay, this is who I am. And, uh, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I, I make mistakes uh, just like everybody else. I'm actually human and it's okay. And then to allow yourself that it gives you so much freedom, uh, to, to not be perfect. You know, um, I think in some ways it's, it's probably harder for, for actors where your face is, is seen on TV and recognized, you know, you have, you sort of have to keep things up a little bit more maybe or feel that you have to for me nobody knows who i am so it's okay well you know? they do now nobody. mike <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe so but i can still go to the grocery store and not get recognized which is amazing uh for the most part anyway um so and also i wanted to just uh, give a, 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 a props to uh, boys town as well by the way uh, that's oh. amazing yeah, yeah no thank you it's, it's a great organization um and of course you know but, you know, it's it was around long before the movie ever came out, which inspired the movie with Spencer yeah. Tracy. Um, it, it, it's it's just a, yeah. it's a wonderful place and they're still changing lives. And I was speaking of vocational schools. I visited their vocational program there. They literally these high schoolers have full chef kitchens. They've got Ford donates all of the products to the to them. And they have like it's literally a Ford body shop engine shop. It's, it's unbelievable. It, and it, and just to see these kids go, I have something to live for and, and continue on is it's, it's really, because some of their stories are heartbreaking. Yeah. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I grew up in, in a tumultuous, uh, uh, childhood basically. And it it did cause me issues uh, growing up, you know, and I don't really talk about it much, but, um, when I was at Pixar animating, 
um, I got quite ill um, toward the end of uh, Toy Story 2. And um, I, I didn't know what it was. I was terrified. Uh, and I finally went to see a doctor. I was, just wasn't functioning right. Yeah. And he's, he, he basically diagnosed me with uh, chronic depression. Ah. And the reason being, I think, uh, uh, Pixar was sort of the first time I'd been in, in a, um, a, like a, an actual safe uh, full employment. You know, I was always freelance up until that point. So I was always in survival. And I think because I you know I was also mid thirties or whatever, that's also a time where typically we figure a lot of stuff out for ourselves. And I was in a safe space to where I, I could finally get sick. And when I was, when I learned of my diagnosis, I was so relieved because I thought, Oh, this is fixable. I can, I can, yeah. I can fix this now. This is okay. And sure enough, over a period of time, you know, I, I rewired my brain as, as, as that, that's what happens. We, we yeah. can change our brains. Uh, over you know over a period of time which is and it, once we know that it, it's okay you know and if we get the help that we need and and ask for help too when we need it uh, yes. whether it's from friends family or, or or just acquaintances usually the help is out there usually someone is willing to 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 uh, extend a hand or whatever that means and get us out of that that uh, place that, that we've found ourselves in it's very very common as well so, yeah, um, it's super common. And and thank you for sharing that. First and foremost, that's such a uh, it makes it puts everything in perspective for everybody who is going yeah. through some sort of mental health crises. Uh, Absolutely. Especially now. You know, oh, yeah, gosh, it's been really hard the last. Yeah, I, I mean, we've all sort of had to restart to figure out, like, how are we going to do this, especially people yeah. who are performers and I mean, I was just reading several studios are starting to to pause right now because of um, this very variation of the COVID. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it does. It puts people into survival mode or, or creative mode. Yeah. And which has been actually great. Fun, yeah. <laughs> it's been great for me because I get to meet everybody all over the world and, and get to do it from the comfort of my own home. It is marvelous. There's the, and that's the thing. There are often upsides to, to uh, bad situations as well. And if we can find those and and turn things around, it, they those bad things don't hurt us quite as much. I think. Yeah. Are you a New Year's resolution person? Actually, I, I'm not. Strangely enough, I'm. Um, I do. I do like the the, the en- energy of a new year, and I use that to sort of throw myself into things and, and motivate myself to to. So I do. I make a lot of lists and things, um, but. Um, no, I don't. I don't really do resolutions. I just make plans for what I want to do for the first quarter and for the coming year, and what goal, goals really, you know, plans and goals. But but I I I don't call them resolutions because I think that that belittles what I you know what I want to achieve in a way because you know nobody keeps them anyway. I mean, for goodness sake. So rather than disappoint myself, <laughs> I, I'm just like, okay, this is what I would like to do in the coming year, and these you know I, I make I make lots of lists and do sketches. I, I love that stuff and that that. Oh, that helps me to to um, keep myself honest and refer back to that stuff and uh, pivot and change as I need to as well. So I'm excited about this year. I really am. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If you could take a ride, because everybody gets to take a ride in the Jacob Young time machine, in this case, the Jedi time machine, what advice would you give 12-year-old Mike? <laughs> what advice would I give 12-year-old Mike? Um Let's see. I mean, I was, I guess I was doing a lot of things right at that time. Um, but uh, I would say keep going. Um, don't listen to the naysayers. Don't let people t- 
try to steer you off course. Um, maybe not put puppets quite as, as far ahead of, of girlfriends, maybe. That, that may have been a mistake that I made. Sorry, Wendy. You're, I'm sure she's forgiven me. <laughs> so, uh, but I was obsessing with 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 puppets so much that uh, you know I didn't focus so much on on uh, the the human the friendships and contacts and that kind of thing. Um, so I would say uh, maybe maybe at that point get a better support team. I don't know how I would have done it back then. We didn't have internet and things like that. But uh, I would I would say not only keep doing keep going and you're doing a great job, um, but. Uh, uh, Surround yourself with with people that are, are can really support you uh, emotionally, mentally, and, and career wise as well. Um, but um, yeah, that was right just at the time where I, I was starting to take control of my life anyway. And uh, I guess I was doing a lot of things right. And now, what I'd say to my thirty year old self or my forty year old <laughs> self, that'd be a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> uh, so we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that's extraordinary. And I mean, you know, and great advice too. Um, Boys Town's motto is he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And yeah, the story goes back to when father Flanagan was alive. This is well before world war two. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, they didn't have a lot of resources. In fact, um, his sisters and family flew over from Ireland to try to um, you know, make up for what, you know, for the boys and you know, boys at that point still, uh, were coming in droves to boys town. Um, and they couldn't necessarily provide all the medical equipment that was necessary to some kids. And one of the kids was handicapped and he couldn't walk. And so the boys would take turns carrying him around from class to class, from event to event. And father one day, you know, looked over at one of the boys and said, isn't he heavy? And he said, he's not heavy father. He's my brother. And that motto has stuck with Boys Town, meaning somebody has carried us in our lives at some point. Um, I know I've had people that I've relied on or have offered that advice or got me through a tough patch. Um, is there anybody who carried you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, actually, at different times as well. I mean, my sister, Hazel, she's two years older than me. Um, she's she's uh, supported me so much over the years and still does. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I had her uh, to to take care of me, especially when I was little and and tell me things are going to be okay, you know, and she still supports me to this day. Um, But also, you know, without Jim Henson, uh, he was very much a father figure to a lot of us. And, you know, he was worried that he was keeping me out of college or something by giving me a job, you know. But, I mean, he he what he gave me in that first few years uh, that information I'm still using now, that knowledge I'm still using in my career. So, you know, that was like such a, uh, he was so supportive uh, of us all the whole time. You know, he would let us experiment and try things and have fun. And he he just loved that, that side of it. But he was very much a father figure to, to a lot of people. Uh, he You know, he was like the real life Kermit to the yeah. Muppet performers, you know, trying to keep us all together and, and uh, mm-hmm. keep us on track. You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting <laughs> parallel. Um, but there are a lot of people along the way. And, but also, you know, the way I look at it now is um, how can, how, what am I not doing? You know, what can we do to, 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 to look out for others and help others yeah. too? Uh, you know, cause, because there comes a point where, where you, you know, you want to give and not just keep taking all the time. Uh, well, often it's symbiotic though, I think, you know, but it's, but yeah, what, 
what what uh, what what can I do? Who, who's who's in need, or who can I encourage, or inspire, or, or uh, uh, you know check in on? Uh, yeah. You know, I think I think sometimes the the, the shoe gets to be on the other foot a bit. Yeah, so. certainly. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for taking the time, joining me today, filling us with all those wonderful stories. I'm so thankful and so blessed to have you on the podcast. Um, you've really inspired me uh, and rejuvenated that. Um, we're all going to be looking forward to all the iconic friends still to come who we'll meet thanks to yeah. you, of course, and your talents. So thank you so much, Mike. Oh, thank you so much, Jacob. And you take care. And I look forward to seeing you again soon, I hope. Lane Frost Brand is a proud sponsor of Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the comfortable, stylish, and unique clothing line that commemorates the life of world champion bull rider Lane Frost. Everything from hats to belt buckles. Be sure to check out the whole line of products for the entire family at lanefrost.com, the official shop of the legend for the champion in you. That was a word from our sponsors, Lane Frost Brand, made for the champion, and you, something for the whole family, hats to belt buckles. I'd now like to bring on Chris Hallstrom, my dear friend from the Boys Town National Hotline, and our resident professional, Chris. How are you? Jacob, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing very good. Had a Can love- I tell you that I was, I was smiling the entire time we were talking to him? It, I mean, it was just such a fun story to hear what he does for a living and how he came about that. And um, I don't know. It was just fun to listen to. It certainly was. It was fun for me. And I was literally smiling the whole time. I was uh, I right. was a kid in a candy store listening to these stories because I grew up with those shows, Fraggle Rock, The, the Dark Crystal. And I have the best photos. He sent me all these wonderful photos. And once I got off the off of the podcast with him, I said, Mike, can you send me some photos? I know you got some backstage stuff that's like nobody's really seen. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've got some great stuff. So I've got stuff from Star Wars. I've got stuff from uh, the Muppets. And it's just going to be fun for a nice uh, promotion to, to get this out there. But uh, he, he was just a great guy to talk to and really open too. He was pretty open about some of the stuff that he's been through in his life. Depression. While he was filmed or uh, animating, actually at Toy Story Two, um, any thoughts on that? Well, for one thing, what a blessed life! I mean, who, how many people does that happen to when you're a kid and you have um, an interest like that? And it just like things just worked out for him. And for a kid to to make that effort to be around and to reach out, I love that the. Um, story about giving an envelope to Jim Henson <laughs> and he thought it was a birthday, birthday card. No, really it was <laughs> I want to work. A resume. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and he was what, 15 at the time. So um, the, 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 whole, the whole story was fun and, and how many people are that fortunate to be in that kind of position? Well, it said so um, much. It's like when he's telling, telling the story, it's like, you're so happy for him because yeah, what a cool thing. Well, he was, he was so persistent. He was like this little kid that was like right. nagging them all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. it worked out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, they're like, yeah, you can go ahead and build a couple puppets. Go ahead, hang around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the story was well, with Frank Oz coming up to him and saying, you know, hey, all right, let me see what you can do. Put a yeah. puppet on. Let's see if you yeah. can do it. And like. How cool. And the whole thing with getting to be in um, in the Star Wars movie, like. It, it, sometimes it is being in the right place at the right time. Sometimes it is knowing the right people. 
Um, but it is also a matter of like, you really got to be persistent and keep working at it. So um, his whole story was cool. It was really neat. And then to hear now that he's um, trying to give back and teach kids and adults how to be a puppeteer. Yeah. Like, you know, he's been blessed and now he's turning around and, and trying to help other people um, learn that, that craft. So I thought that was cool. No, I think that's cool too. I'm in fact, I probably will eventually sit in on one of his classes just so I can see like how it all works. I think that's pretty yeah. cool. And, and how, um, you know, it takes a special kind of person, first of all, to think of a career path like puppetry. And that's why I asked him the question about how does creating a fantasy reality help sometimes our own mental state and our realities? Um, and I think that's a really important question because you just, you have, I, I've seen it in, in therapy sessions. They've said, okay, you know, here's the doll or, you know, you know, they become useful tools for people to talk through. In this case, he said he was very reserved. He was very shy and it was his voice that was going through the puppet. Right. I love that. And, and, um, I think he, he mentioned something too about the, uh, the puppet as an abstract thing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, a pig or <laughs> whatever, or a bear. Um, but it's still just like the people that you live your everyday life with your friends, your family, your neighbors, uh, I don't know. To me, that was kind of a cool perspective to think of. Um, it kind of takes away those boundaries and labels that we might put on people. Um, and what a great outlet for somebody who, yeah, they're a little more shy or reserved. Um, again, the joy that he's brought people, um, so many people over the years with what he does. Um, it's really awesome to hear. Yeah. And I love what you just said, because he said that um, the puppets are reflections of ourselves. Right. Right. They really are. You know, I said, um, I think the question was why, why are these shows or these movies and shows so massively popular? Well, because they're reflections of people right. just, just in a funny little body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're real, but it's, it, it I don't know. It's, all the stereotypes are gone. Yeah. You know, you can identify no matter what um, color or gender or age, you can identify um, those puppets as being somebody that you know. So yeah, I thought that was really neat um neat way he described that. yeah and then he op opened up of course about his depression and um and then he said you know it was just something that clicked one day and he just wasn't himself he no longer had that drive and um he was flailing in the work where he's been just working consistently for so many years and he was scared to go to the doctor or scared to find out what was wrong with him because he thought something was deathly wrong with him and it just right. turned, turned out that he needed help. And you know what I really appreciated was that when he found out it was depression, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. You know, I can work on, I can work with that. I can get some help. It wasn't like, um, I don't want to say a death sentence, but it wasn't, you know, sometimes people, um, oh my gosh, I've been uh, diagnosed with depression and it's a hopeless situation. No, it doesn't have to be. Um, if you get the right help. Um, you know, the majority of people can work through that. And it sounds like he certainly has. He talked about retraining his brain um, a bit and um, just remembering that there's help out there. And there is. Yeah. But you just have to, first you have to identify it, what it is, and then you have to be able to get on a path to um, work through it. So, work through it and, and be open about it. Talk to talk right. about it. 
Right. Yeah. And um, he also, he, he made some great points too, because this is something I deal, dealt with because I'm in the spotlight. And he said he got the, you know, of course he wore his costumes and he was, you know, hanging under puppets all the time. But, you know, the anxiety that I have in my life is due to, I mean, it's getting less and less these days and I'm finding better ways, of course, to coping with it. Um, but worrying about what other people think. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he said, you know, you just have to literally say, I don't care what anybody right. thinks because <laughs> right. it's not well, going to, it's not going to affect me if you don't let it affect you. Right. And give yourself permission to make mistakes. I think, you know, sometimes we get in this very rigid um, mind frame of we have to be right all the time or we can't make mistakes. And it is really very freeing to, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up. Like I, I didn't do that the right way or um, I didn't handle that well. It's so much easier than than building up that that defense and not being open to um, learning from your mistakes. It really very much um, that whole perfectionism piece sometimes can really derail people. So, yeah. no, it's uh, I've I've seen it derail a lot of my friends in the business. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure in the world just like to walk out your door of any anybody. You know, getting up, right. walking out the door, dealing with somebody at the cash register. You know, and and now with all the you know, of course the you know, there's now the COVID surge again and everything is happening. It's just feeling. Like the disconnect is happening that much more. And I just, I can sense that there's going to be more mental health issues because of this. And I hopefully not so much with the kids, you know, I think with my daughters, at least they're apt to it now wearing their mask. It's kind of like, that's all they know. But, but at the same time, yeah, I just couldn't imagine growing up in this world at that age. I know. I completely agree. It's it's you don't want to start feeling helpless again. We remember what it was like um, when this whole thing first started. And please don't let us go back to that same point again. Um, yeah, that it's hard. It's hard for everybody. What is normal going to look like um, a year from now? We well, just have no idea. I so could we sh- have to make the best of it. I could show you, but nobody's going to see it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, because I look pretty no, but- normal. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the way he talked about it. it's okay to make mistakes and learn and grow. And we talk about perfectionism and we've talked in the past about social media, how that can put kids in a position where um, they're believing things that aren't necessarily real because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You look at that picture and you think, wow, why, why isn't my life like that? And you know what? Nobody's perfect. And we right. have to learn to accept that. Right. It's so true. Well, Chris, uh, I appreciate all of your insights as always. This was a fun interview to listen to. It really was. Wow. Now it makes me want to go back and binge watch some of those shows again. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's probably, he's probably working that puppet right yeah, there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about all the time we have for today. Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast is sponsored by Boys Town. At Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And for over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children, healing families. They're only one call away, and they're always there to help. Please go to boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boys Town's health services, or simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. If you are in crisis or you need immediate help, please call the trained counselors at the Boys Town National Hotline at 800-448-3000, 800-448-3000, or simply text VOICE to 201 201- 
1-800-242-1821. Thanks for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. Until next time, love yourself and love each other.